to the pod. I'm Tom, Oz Music Month Kennedy, joined by Matt, Taylor's version Carvalho, Dan, Jazzman Lozier, and Chris, Fanmail Palumbo. We are the Groovy Guys, and this is Crate Expectations, the podcast for record collectors and music enthusiasts. Gents, I'd like to start today's podcast by reading you all a poem by the great Anthony Kiedis. What I got, you got to give it to your mama. What I got, you got to give it to your papa. What I got, you got to give it to your daughter. You do a little dance and then you drink a little water. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. Now, Anthony Kiedis has said this song off Blood Sugar Sex Magic is about altruism and the value of selflessness. I couldn't think of a better poem to kick off this episode where we're talking about the greatest gift of all, the gift of vinyl. Before we get underway, it's obviously, it's been a while since we've had a chat. How have we been? Tom, Tom, before we get into any of this, can can we request maybe a version of that album in spoken (laughs) word where you read all the lyrics to every song because that was amazing yeah that was incredible like a william shatner that was beautiful uh look blood sugar sex magic by tom kennedy spoken word yeah if we get to a thousand episodes of this podcast i will do that a thousand and one it's just that it's (laughs) just you doing the spoken word it's gonna be years before we get there yeah well now now we have a goal to work toward and a reason to get there the poor listeners. Oh, yeah. Episode a month, <laughs> episode a month, 12 months in a year. She had 120, boys. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, we're going to talk about the gift of vinyl, which I genuinely think, the gift of music, the gift of vinyl, one of the great gifts you can give someone. One of the best. But before yep. we get into that, it's been ages since we've had a chat and that we've all had some sort of gift in that period of time, funnily enough. Dan, I might start with you. Last episode I referred to you as Papillon. The listeners mm-hmm. out there may not have caught it and they almost certainly wouldn't have known why I referred to you as that. But uh, in the last little while you've had the gift of a new guitar. Can you just tell us a bit about this because it's pretty awesome? Yeah, well, this guitar is uh, dubbed uh, the Papillon guitar or uh, how I like to pronounce it, the Papillon guitar. Um for some of the listeners, uh, you know, they may have caught on that. I may have talked about my dad a lot in this podcast. Um, you know, my dad passed away about a year ago and, uh, my, uh, my cousin who's a guitar maker. Shout out to Matt Mirage, Mirage Instruments. Um, he's built me a couple of great guitars in the past. And, um, when my dad passed away, he had told me that he wanted to build a guitar that my dad had had wanted to commission from him. And when he told me about this, I was like, man, hundred percent make that guitar. I want to see, I want to see this come to fruition. Um, and basically, um, built exactly the, the exact guitar that my dad wanted to his spec, which is basically, it's like a combination of a Gibson L double O and a Martin double O guitar, like early, early 1900 spec. Did it in black walnut back and sides and neck, which is my dad's favorite wood. Like triple A grade spruce top has like a Gibson um, 
<coughs> sorry, a Gibson ebony fretboard, which is like a, it's kind of like a toss away from them because I had a couple of like de- a small, small mm. defects, which is whatever. Um, and he also hand carved a, a pyramid bridge, which is like to spec of the early 1900s wow. Martins. And uh, this thing just plays unbelievable. It's uh my dad dubbed it when he, my cousin tells a story that when my dad went to go visit him, he wanted in petite guitar de la blues, which uh, translates to a small guitar to play the blues. Um, so it's like, just picture like the guitar Robert Johnson played. And that's basically what, what he built, you know, beautiful tobacco sunburst. It's, you know, it's one of my prized possessions. It's gorgeous. If it wasn't, it's there's no other word. Beautiful. It's yeah. We'll have to put a picture on the Instagram because it's yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, it's uh, beautiful. You know, Matt Matt is he's been he's been making guitars now in, on Manitoulin Island for I think at least over ten years now, and um, he's really starting to hone in his craft. Like he's a, he's an artist and a craftsman, and um, I think on this particular one, like I I have two of his other I have two more of his guitars. The first one is very. Uh, sort of design focus it has like a live edge um uh pick guard on it and it has like a weird sound hole position he made me a, a like an all mahogany om style guitar which is a banger but it has a couple artsy twists to it but this is like a two spec early century guitar and um like this was like i've never I've played I've played a lot of his different instruments that he's built in the past. I visit him quite often, and this one it's like, man, you can really start to see the craftsmanship come through in his guitars. So, if it wasn't an instrument to be played, you would actually just hang it up on your wall because it's a it is a work of art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and, yeah. and you know what? And like to 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 the way Matt builds guitars, like he doesn't really believe in creating pieces of art like he wants his instruments to be functional Mm. and he's actually really selective about how many guitars he builds and he's it's he's almost at the point now that his demand is so high that he can select his customers right like if he that's so feels like the customer is going to buy a guitar and not play it he's not interested in really making (laughs) it he wants he wants to make guitars for players and he wants people to actually enjoy these and to use them and then the just for That's the non-French so cool. speakers, tell us about papillon. A papillon. Papillon means butterfly. It's uh it's a nickname my brothers gave my dad randomly. My dad was a softy. Um, you know, he was basically a butterfly. And um I think he hated it at first, but he totally embraced it later on in his life, and it was his nickname moving forward. That's awesome. Love it. Yeah. It's a great love story. It, love it. And Matt, uh, I think you're probably the most appropriate person to take us down this next little track. Uh, we've had a gift of new music this week. Um, with, yes. Uh, and I alluded to it in your nickname with these Taylor's version releases. Um, I, I know you've probably listened to them or listened to some of it. Uh, yeah. Give us a bit of a pricey, like, what's going on? Re- this is a really interesting space for the music industry to be in what Taylor Swift has been doing recently. So... A little bit of background on it. So Taylor Swift, when she switched record labels, she wanted to own her masters from her previous record label. Um, I guess there was a bit of a dispute because the record label was being sold off to Justin Bieber's manager. And essentially it got really sticky, really messy. There's a lot of info out there 
on the situation that happened. Essentially, the long and the short of it, he didn't want to sell her her masters. Um, the old head of the record label said, oh, we gave her all these chances to buy back the records, uh, or sorry, the masters. And um, then they started using her versions of her song in a documentary, which she didn't authorize. Um, anyways, there's a little bit more to it than that, but it's kind of the brief overview of it. Um, you know, one side says, oh, we've tried to be, you know, as cooperative as possible. She mm-hmm. doesn't want to cooperate with us. And then she's like, nope. It's the exact opposite of what they're saying. Um, she's posted about it in her stories. Um, anyways, what she decided to do was, uh, which was, I actually think it's really cool. She decided to go back and re-record all of her old albums. So that way she owns the masters of these. And this is what gets authorized for anything she puts out now going forward, from what I understand. It's pretty, yeah. And she released Red, Taylor's version of, of Red this week, right? Yes, uh, it's that's my favorite albums of hers up until uh, the two latest ones came out. Mm. I thought with that record, she really, really hones in a nice sound. It was a good mix between rock and country meets pop. I, I like even from the opening track, State of Grace, when that um, when you hear a little bit of that feedback of the guitar comes in. Dan, I know you're not the biggest fan, but it kind of reminds me of The Edge a little bit. Um, mm. That was an understatement. That's a compliment. Mm. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> um, it, it gets me, it, you kind of get drawn in right from the beginning with State of Grace and it just kind of continues. I, but I think the, that, that whole album, the best song off of it, uh, all too well, that is the record to me. Um, can't, yeah, can't amazing. beat it. Yeah. And she released a 10 minute version of it on this new one, which mm. I haven't heard yet. I haven't seen the short film. It's been a busy week. I'm carving out time to do that tomorrow. So, but you know, from what I have heard of it, I've heard about half of it so far. Uh, sorry, half of the album. Uh, it's really cool because, you know, you do notice the little subtle hints from the old one to the new one. Uh, different, you know, I guess little quirks or how she hits a note from one to the other. Um, I think it's on... Uh, on, on Red, there's one part in the song uh, when she's coming back into the last course where she really, really gives it. And each time I hear it, even on the old one and the new one, I still get the chills when I hear it. So I'm like, ooh, that didn't change. That's great. Um, my only knock that I've that I've found so far, which I don't think um, Trouble has aged too well um, because it's got a little bit of that dubstep dancey feel and it almost feels like they were trying to mm. take a little bit of it away which is is fine i have no issue with that i just as this as a song i just don't think it aged too well you could tell it was kind of trendy and that's what they were doing when that album was released makes sense other than that though i, I love everything i've heard from it so far so i was gonna say um i don't know the red album very well at all Lee does. Lee, and she put on the new version because I had no idea any of this was going on. And when she told me the story, I was like, I'm all in. Anything, like anything where there's controversy in music, love it. Love the whole idea of it. Um, but I didn't I didn't notice any, like, I know the songs, but I didn't notice anything different about it. And that's that's what I was curious about, Matt, is like what stood out or what, what um, did it, did it age well? And I noticed right away, I was like, I enjoyed listening to it, and I was like, I didn't feel like I was listening to an older Taylor Swift album. Um, so, 
I would say you're on the money there. I don't. I think it aged really well. Yeah. Um, I don't really notice too too many difference. Obviously, the mix has changed a little bit, and you can hear other elements of, that might have been kind of more in the background. I feel like on a couple of songs, they might have actually added a couple of things. Um, I had to kind of go back and give it more of a critical listen to give you like the brass truth on that. But I do think it aged well. And I'm only saying that about Trouble just because that's a song that I did notice a, a quite a bit of difference. Um, I was never the biggest fan of that, or sorry, that record anyway. So I think maybe that's why I might have been a little bit more critical and noticed a, a couple uh, differences. Cool, cool, cool. Um, you know, her last two albums, she she produced those albums with Aaron Desner, right? Is she is she still working with that? Oh, crew? Like dude, this Jack is what Antonoff, I Aaron yep. Desner, those guys, yeah. This is what I love is she's essentially brought that whole crew to do the re-recorded versions because they're oh, all okay. on both credits for, or they're yeah. on both of the credits for those albums. Yeah, okay. so that that's the yeah. interesting point, Chris. Where you're asking how much has it changed? I think some of it will be subtle because it's they haven't gone back to the masters and, and pulled stuff in or out. They've actually re-recorded everything, right? And, you know, it, it was released however many years ago, so she will have changed as a singer, as a musician, mm -hmm. as a guitar player. You know, she was changed as a songwriter, matured as a person in that period of time. So some of the, the changes in the re-recording will be so subtle, but it's just her way of taking ownership of the music and and some of the tracks that didn't make the original cut mm -hmm. have been re-recorded and included you know tracks that she wanted on there that the record mm -hmm. label cut or the 10 minute version of a track that the record label cut down to be single length you know she's just um it's not a new concept right like a director's cut of a film or you know paul mccartney's cut of let it be it's not a new concept but i think they will have reverberations pardon the pun in the record industry because of the way she's approaching ownership of her IP and of her music rights. Yeah, it's such a cool concept. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, what's cool about this too is, you know, it feels like it's more of a live performance. Like, I feel like there's a little more of a, a natural live element mm. to the re-recorded version, which is really cool. And I do got to give her kudos, you know, if you care about, you know, let's be honest, she's done very well. Um, this isn't all about the money. People will say it is, but I think she cares about owning her own IP to go back and re-record mm -hmm. all this material, plus include stuff that didn't make the first cut and add more to it. Like to me, you're giving a lot of value to your fans as well as getting something back for yourself. Yeah, the cynic will say this is a cash grab, and you know there there may well be an element to that. But as you say, it's also about having a say over how your music is used, which I yeah. think is a vexed issue for a lot of artists, right? Because at a certain point in their career, they're willing to give away more rights than potentially they want to, to get their, you know, mm -hmm. to get a record deal, to jumpstart their career. So um, now she's in a position where she can take some of that power back. Oh, absolutely. Like, oh, yeah. I'm not a Taylor Swift fan and I knew about it like yeah. instantly. I like, reckon. And it I'll, 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 I'll be honest, guys, the short films. A little, a little cheesy. Uh, I oh, really? Yeah. A little, little cheddar. Yeah. Uh, I reckon. Hey, but uh, you watch them. That's the thing. Yeah, you watch I, them. I watch you them because yeah. I appreciate Taylor Swift as an artist, but yeah. Taylor Swift okay. the filmmaker. Taylor Swift the filmmaker. <laughs> hey, but that, <laughs> you know what? 
Boy. Hey, there's always a little bit of cheese in everything. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, uh, moving on to something. Uh, Chris, I feel like, I'm sorry, but I feel like there's some sort of controversy at the center of, of your world. Oh, another podcast. controversy for an episode with Chris Palumbo? So, I, no. haven't done, I haven't done anything. <laughs> when does that happen? So, uh, Chris, I've just been digging through the Groovy Guys inbox, uh, createexpectationspod at gmail.com if you want to send cool. us some fan mail. We got our first bit of genuine fan mail since the last episode. <laughs> and I'm going to read it out and uh, we're going to unpack it. So the subject is <laughs> really Chris. And uh, it's, it's from one John Palumbo. Oh, number one fan. Number one number fan. Of the shout out to John, John Palumbo. Shout out to John, the honorary fifth groovy guy. <laughs> so, really, Chris, of all the artists and bands I listen to, you put Meatloaf versus Bowie. Come on. I saw Pink Floyd live at 16. I introduced you to The Who, Nazareth, and on and on and on. Man. Oh, Nazareth, eh? Man. So disappointed. P.S. That Out of Hell was an amazing album. Yes. <laughs> Regards, John Palumbo. I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. You broke my heart. That's the best part. Regards. He doubles no, no. down. No, the so, best part is like, really, you picked Meatloaf? By the way, Bad Out of Hell is an amazing album. <laughs> I told you. So last um, episode... Uh, <laughs> Well, but like, how did we get onto this? Last episode, we were talking about taste in music coming from our parents, and Chris asked, "Who has a better taste in music, mum or dad?" And then we threw that back onto Chris, and Chris threw John under the bus. Um, but then my dad went. So I got an angry, I got an angry phone call before <laughs> this this got sent. So my dad was working. Some issue happened at work, and he had to like just stand and or not stand, but he had to wait by. Um, for maintenance crews to fix some things, so we had some time. And he went back and listened to all the episodes. Again, <laughs> hence why he's the number, number one fan. fan. Yeah, number yeah. one fan. Yeah, he's, he's pumping amazing. those Spotify numbers up. <laughs> um, but he called me. He's like, "You make fun of me in every episode. You, you chirp me in every episode." And I was like, hey. "Yeah, there's something little there." Yeah, but so, but Chris, Chris, as an honorary groovy guy, yeah. we make fun of each other. Sure. Yeah, so you should feel privileged. Sure. So you, yeah. feel, you should feel privileged, John, that we yeah. do, especially yeah. Chris. Not everyone son. gets the groovy yeah. guy's treatment. Jabs you a little bit, right? Yeah. But that's what you need. That's what you get for being the honorary groovy guy. But Chris, groovy I got, guy, right? I, I've got a side with John here. Like he sent us a couple of messages about that. The first band he ever saw live was Pink Floyd. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. I know. Amazing. And at he, sixteen. Yeah, he's seen Queen. He's seen oh, like come the on. Who. Like you should. When he, if we ever get him on the the, uh, the episode, just talking about concerts, um, he has some 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 great concerts that he went to. Supposedly back in the day, the CNE used to put on free shows, and they had like headliners Amazing. show up. Um, and uh, he was talking about one at Maple Leaf Gardens, and I think that was the Who concert, and nice. it just sounds next level. You know what's uh, funny? So I don't mean to cut you off there, Chris. My dad talks about seeing The Who at Maple Leaf Gardens. I wonder if they were at the same show. I guarantee you they were. That's uh, pretty cool. But yeah, like I heard that show was uh, ridiculous. I know it's 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 talked about in a documentary somewhere because I remember seeing it flash up on on a screen. Um, I, I don't know who documentary I watched and they talk about like the Maple Leaf Gardens show. 
Cool. So it's it's quite iconic, yeah. So uh, anyway, I just want to thank John for the gift of our first fan mail, and uh, I, we're with you, John. He's yeah, he's throwing yeah. you under the bus. I, I am, <laughs> and I'll probably do it this episode too. Um, but I would just like to say that I I I'm usually the one who checks the fan mail, so it, I love how he called me. And then tried to make sure that all of you know that he was mad yeah. at me as well. <laughs> and then you got the email. But I got the email. But I would like to, <laughs> to point out now he's figured it out. So he's been he's been using Tom's usually the Instagram guy. He's so been, been messaging to me on Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, John, right? so. John, John, Chris is the one who popped the email in our group chat and we yeah. all had a good laugh. And, yeah. you know, we all, you know, to be fair, we all sided with Bev in that conversation because, you know, when we think meatloaf versus... I did yeah, it on Bowie. purpose. I mean, we're going to pick yeah. Bowie. Everyone's yeah. going to pick Bowie. You know, he even that, said that. Now that we hear the breadth of the bands you've seen live and what you listen to, it's a, I think it's story. still a toss-up. Still toss-up, but... Real character assassination. At least it's not just yeah. Meatloaf. Yeah, it's no. Oh, no. Yeah. It's Nazareth, too. Nazareth, yeah. though. Not, John, you should have put that on the list. Yeah. You should have put that on the list. Oh, uh, Nazareth has one good album. Razzmatazz? Come on. <laughs> Moving on. So, <laughs> so uh, it's probably apt that we're talking about gifts this record because since we last recorded, I had my birthday. And uh, you know you're a record collector. I think it gives everyone a really easy option for presents. Um, yeah. But not only did I get uh, a gift voucher to my favourite record store uh, from my sisters, um, I also got this amazing mug from my sisters Groovy guy, Tom, to the listeners. It's uh, a white mug with a record on one side and groovy guy, Tom, on the other side. Um, this is now officially our first piece of merchandise. And uh, yeah, we should all get these. Um, Absolutely. You can change it from your, groovy guy, Tom, keep, if you wish, but you could also just get a groovy guy, Tom. I want a groovy guy, Dan, yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and then my dad got me these. Uh, he's had these for a while. They're you know the game dominoes. Never heard of it. <laughs> You've never heard of the game dominoes? Yes, come on. So anyway, these are just record themed dominoes. So you Sweet. match you match them up with their colors. Oh, that's oh, cool. It. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Pastime, and then. My lovely wife is enabling me by buying me oh boy. memorabilia. Oh, yeah. oh sweet. So this is that ACDC memorabilia I talked about, released by, so it's in a, a road case, released by the Australian Mint. And if you can see in there, uh, let's do Dirty Deeds. So it is a series of coins released by the Australian Mint commemorating... Oh, wow. Albums by ACDC. So it's got the Dirty Deeds, uh, the tattoo so that cool. Bon has. And so, so cool. it's uh, High Voltage, TNT, Back in Black, Let There Be Rock, Ball Breaker, and just a special ACDC commemorative coin. Do That's you think sweet. the Australian Mint is a Bon Scott or Brian Johnson? Oh well, who? given that uh, the Australian Mint, do you think who would they pick? Well, given that Bon is uh, an Australian and Brian is not, I think they'd pick Bon. Oh wait, 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 wait! What? Brian Johnson was not Australian. 
Julian? What? He's is from he the American? UK. Is, is he? he? Okay, well, I didn't know that. Bon is, wow, bon is, bon is Scottish-born, but he his family moved to Australia when he was young. Okay. Okay. I didn't know that. Learning something new. There you go. Yeah, Learning something new. Hey, did you uh, did you end up buying that uh, that record? Yeah, we so we talked about this last episode, right? So let there be rocker or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did, I did, I did. You bit nice. the bullet, eh? I bit the bullet. I was, I just the signs were. It was the last Bon Scott record I needed. It was in my the guy selling it was in the same suburb as me. Ah, I had it's kismet. I had. Um, Convinced him that the price he was asking was unreasonable and I had got him to a point where I was comfortable with the price and I pulled the trigger and now I have all Bon Scott uh, albums in my collection and I think all but one of them are Albert Label pressings. So I haven't finished my quest yet. I still need an Albert Label pressing of Highway to Hell. But other than that, every... Bon Scott album in my collection is an Albert label pressing. Awesome. Well, hey, you got the gift of vital merchandise for your birthday. Happy birthday, Tom. And you gifted yes, yourself. The best <laughs> gift of all. The best gift of all. Self-love. Yes. Self-love. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah. Uh, that's, I got to ask, how do the negotiations go with him? So I take a really pragmatic approach. If a record is priced reasonably, I, I will pay for it. Yep, that's the price. If I'm willing to pay, I'll pay. If it's overpriced, I ask for clarification on exactly which pressing it is. I do my research and then I say, hey, based on... So he had it priced at... Uh, he had priced it based on what people were trying to sell it for on Discogs. As opposed to what it has sold for. So I just went to him and said, based on the way you've described its condition, um, based on the pressing, I think it's probably worth more like this. Um, What you're asking for is is not its sold price, it's for sale price. And he said, yeah, that's fair enough. And then I went and checked the condition and the condition was he'd probably graded it. He'd graded it quite conservatively. He was calling it VG, VG. It was more like VG plus... VG plus, okay. so um, oh, nice. even better, and uh, yeah, great, done deal, sweet, good for you, man, good for you. Give yourself you you deserve that, you know. Thank you, I do. <laughs> <laughs> what else are you gonna spend your money on? Booze, Fosters. That's what Australians spend their money on, right? Yeah, that's the only beer I hear they drink. Vegemite and Vegemite Fosters. <laughs> Vegemite, yeah. I'm gonna try that. No, it's uh, VB, right? Yeah. VB. Oh, yeah. Victoria's best. You can. I'm gonna get a bunch for the chat show coming up. Nice. Just gonna get hammered on VB. There you go. All right. I feel like that was a longer than usual intro. Um, It always is. uh, Maybe we should get into it, eh? Let's talk about final gifts. Matt, I see you with your hot little hands waiting to talk to us about this album that I listened to earlier this week to remind myself of how damn good it is. Oh, what have you got so for good. us? Big All right. Album. So I'm going with, I got this as a gift last year for my birthday. Um, Foo Fighters, Wasting Light. 
one of my favorite Foo records. It's so good. Love that they teamed up with Butch Fig for this one. Yeah. Love that they did it all analog. Um, I don't. Have you guys bought a copy of this that. record? I don't have a copy. No. Okay. So what was cool with this was when they released it, they actually cut a piece of the master tape and included it in each copy of the what? album. Yeah, oh, it's really wow. cool. That's so cool. That's yeah. sweet. So the masters don't exist anymore. I guess not, unless they that's... made a copy of it. Or I don't know. Oh, that's. But yeah. uh, it was really cool, and uh, I don't know if you've seen the documentary that they did. Yeah. Um, back and forth. It's yeah, back and forth. If you haven't checked it out, you gotta check it out. It's so good. I love that they went back to like their early Nirvana days and yeah. kind of how they got started, and then you know Dave transforming into Foo Fighters and bringing each member of the band in. Um, oh, so good. Then this album's amazing. There's so much to like about You know, you touched on it there, the, the fact that they really went back to their roots. Like they recorded it in, in Dave's garage and then yep. the way that they released it, they were doing those small little garage shows at people's houses yeah. to promote its release. Like it, it is a really, uh, there's just so much to like about it. For sure. Well, even at the end of uh, at the end of the documentary, they they just did like some little show and played the whole new record front to back. Amazing. Have you have you got the uh, the bit of the master tape there? Can we see it? Not with me. No. Um, well, uh, when I dig it up, I'll have to post it on the Instagram. Yeah, cool. For sure. I I mean, uh, to me, it's just I love I love stories like that where you have bands, especially prolific artists going into their garage recording stuff. I mean, Oh yeah. You know, especially going back to their roots, like there's like how many, how many of the best records of all times were a bunch of teenagers recording stuff in their garage. Right. And for their, for the Foo Fighters to kind of take that and like almost do an homage to it Mm -hmm. and to go back to all the analog style and, um, put out a record that way, I think is so cool. Especially after, after they released a greatest hits album. Yeah. No kidding. Right. (laughs) <laughs> the thing, first of all, let's just shout out to Dave Grohl for being for sure. uh, the, guy, the greatest. Someone that, that <laughs> everyone seems to idolize. Yeah. Mount Rushmore of greatest rock and roll guys. Well, 100%. 100%. One of the most prolific uh, songwriters of the last 30 years, easily. And yeah, the thing that's boy. so cool about him, and this is another example of it, is he sees something that he likes or wants to do or that inspires him and he just does it like the creative mm-hmm. output of this guy with the foos you know from leaving nirvana or finishing nirvana finishing and then him releasing the first foo fighters writing recording it entirely on his own to then mm-hmm. building this mammoth discography and uh just this heritage with the foo fighters touring the world becoming one of the biggest stadium rock bands of all time and then saying, hey, I want to try my hand at making a documentary. Or, hey, I want to, I want to uh, document and record the history of this recording studio in Sound City. Or I want to go and do a metal album all on my own with some of my mm-hmm. biggest influences from when I was growing up. Or, you know, just recently he's written a book. I, I, I decide I'm yeah. going to write a book. Like the output of this guy is phenomenal. What's so funny is he does so many things and when he takes a stab at doing something new, he knocks it out of the park. It's not even like, oh, you know, my first attempt, it was okay. No, it's a home run. Yeah. Well, he's he's at that level of a celebrity where he's a trendsetter, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. 
he has the ability to basically do anything and people are going to follow suit. But he's, it's incredible that he's, he appears, he's, he's a self-taught musician. He said that, but he, mm-hmm. he, he appears to be self-taught in everything and just brains it every time. Yeah. I want to make a, a documentary. I want to write a book. I want to, he started Instagram and just started killing it on Instagram. He'd never had an Instagram yeah. account before. Like <laughs> the guy is just a legend. He's, he's just cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You don't you don't even have to like again, I was saying this earlier. I'm I'm not a huge Foo Fighter fan, but I love Dave Grohl. It's because he's just he just does rock and roll. Yeah. So well. He's not he's he was someone who's at the top of the world um but always doesn't you doesn't feel like he's on the top of the world. He it's he puts his ego aside yeah, and tries something new. Yeah. And not that I've ever met him, but it it feels it kind of feels that way. And I think you, you can't make that up. You can't make that genuine, like, personality up. And I think he embodies that, sure. that idea so, so well. Mm-hmm. Well, he had, he had that back and forth, like, like, maybe one or two years ago with this young young girl mm. drummer yeah. where they're kind of going back and forth over YouTube, right? And, like, totally embraced her. And, and they, went, they, they went back and forth so many times that I think they ended up meeting and... Mm-hmm. and and like had a small collaboration, like just just those little little acts of kindness, right? That you wouldn't really expect a such a high profile rock and roll artist to yeah to go. He's out never of his too way big. To yeah, yeah, it's amazing. So uh, a, a unique sort of Grohl story on the similar veins in terms of his accessibility and, and kindness and just genuinely seeming like a all around good guy. Um, so a, a lot of year, a long time ago in Australia, there were these two miners that uh, that were trapped in a mine, and they were in there for you know they were stuck in there for a, a, a while. They were going to get them out, but it was going to take some time. And the guys, uh, you know, they they could get them food and water and all that sort of stuff. And they asked them. This is back in the days of iPods, and they asked them, uh, you know, what music do you want? We'll put some music on an iPod sensor to help you pass the time. And they're both Foo Fighters fans, so they got these iPods with Foo Fighters <laughs> on it. And uh, somehow, you know, after they got out, Dave Grohl heard about this, and uh, he was just so stoked that his music had, you know, was what they wanted to get them through this difficult time. He flew them out to the states to a Foo's gig, like they had backstage passes. Like, amazing! <laughs> yeah, you just what a guy. This is before yep. like. That was the done, you know, that's kind of an obvious thing to do these days with social media because you get the kudos mm-hmm. and it's a bit of a marketing stunt. It just seems like naturally that's his inclination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can, sorry, can we circle back? Because, like, the producer of this album is Which is massive. Yeah. Oh, he's huge. I've, One of the best. Like, like, when you dive into his, so these two teaming up, it's not just, like, Two people teaming up. It's these two superstars teaming up. You, there's, there's, yep. there's nothing except positivity coming out of this. It's who, insane. Who, who are we talking about? Butch. Butch Vig. Butch Vig. Butch Vig? Yeah. Like who if you go is, through. What else has he done? Oh, where do you want to start? Never mind. Let's go. Yeah, I was never gonna mind. say never Stashing mind. Pumpkin. Yeah. God. He established that grunge sound yeah. pretty much. Yo, yeah. House of Pain. Okay. Wow. Uh, oh, let's let's go through some more here. That uh, I know. Garbage. Gar- his garbage. own band. Yeah. Yeah, Green Garbage Day. is the drummer in Garbage. Yeah. Muse. There you go, Matt. Yeah. Oh, oh wow. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah he's yeah. done a lot. He's done a lot of big names. Sonic Youth. Yeah. 
Smashing pumpkins? Holy crap. When you start diving into this stuff. Yeah, Sonic used another big one. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, like, how are you not going to create something like, yeah. special? And, and and Dave brought wow. back a bunch of um, the guys from Nirvana as well, like yeah. Pat Smear and Chris Novoselic worked on mm-hmm. this record as well. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, Butch Vig, massive, massive influence on that grunge mm-hmm. sound. I'm just back oh, yeah. on the on the Beaconsfield miners. Um, so, uh, as part of that, uh, them getting the the music, he he sent a sack uh, a fax to be read to them. Um, it said, uh, "Though I'm halfway around the world right now, my heart is with you both, and I want you to know that when you come home, there's two tickets to any Foo's show anywhere and two cold beers waiting for you." Oh my god, that's wow. Yeah, what a stud. And then Did you uh, imagine two, reading that? Only two beers, Dave. Yeah, yeah, come on, Dave. <laughs> At least like a six-pack. But uh so he so they ended up meeting him uh at a gig in uh in the at the Sydney Opera House and they went out for a beer with him afterwards. And they nice. he's actually since um on Echo Silence, Patience and Grace, there's actually a song called The Ballad of the Beaconsfield Miners. Very cool. That's awesome. So, Matt, girl, what Matt, you? Matt, this, this is a, it's such such a great pick because like I, you know, like I'm like Chris, right? Like I I only really listen to Foo Fighters in passing. I'm not the biggest fan, but I honestly feel like every time I hear one of their songs, I'm I'm engaged and I love them. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think what makes this such a special album is that like like I said, like they release this after a greatest hits. Yeah. Album, yeah, and they still managed to win best rock album of the year, yeah, no <laughs> best rock performance, best hard rock song. Like, to, oh, to white put limo. out oh. to put out to put out something like that, even after you've already put out a, a greatest hits record, it just yeah. it just seems crazy, and it just continues to build on the the lore of mm. Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters. Yeah, no kidding. What album band. number is it? It's only like their we, seventh album, so they. I think it's seven. So yeah. they had a great after their first six albums. Yeah, that's a lot though. But you know what? On, on a sidebar, I had this conversation with my cousin. You know, again, shout out to Matt, the guitar maker. I had this conversation with him, but basically, we we're asked. We we're the conversation was how many albums do you need to release to be an iconic band? Mm. I think you can release one. One. It, I think just, I think we should save that for like, a, to, to, hey, to say that but, you're like a great band. Just one if, record. If it shelves that, that's a hot take. I think we that need to or a bonus episode. Okay. There's a whole episode in there. Yeah, pop it yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. shelves that because it's that's debatable for sure. Okay. All right, and put you know back we'll on the on. I want everyone we'll to go do some homework. Go and read up on some examples. Build your case, and then we will reconvene on that. Yeah, and Matt has to come in and make his point. Yeah, hundred percent. So. Uh, okay, Matt, before we before we explore the next gift of music, um, this is this is hard because I, I tried to think what your answer would would be when I listened to this earlier in the week. Okay. What, what would you say is the most popular track off that album, and and what's your favorite? I want to hear what your guesses were first. Well, I think hang on, hang on. I need to get their actual names so I don't get them wrong because that would be embarrassing. I think the most popular track off this album is probably Rope. Okay. Oh. I find that interesting. Hang on. My doorbell's ringing. Sorry, guys. Pause. 
pick. Okay, so, well, how would I know what your most favourite is? But I think, well, how about I just flip it? My fa- The one I think is the most popular and the one I think, or the one that is my favourite is Rope. Okay. Um, that's your favourite, though. That's my favourite, but I also most, think that's it not might the be most popular. No? No. Well, what do you think is the most popular? I think it's Walk. Was that what? I so I would I would say it's um this is just me. I would say it's between uh Roper these days. I'd say it's wow. Rope, but the Dead Mouse remix. Neither okay. are, ah, fair enough. This is interesting. Neither are on the top five streamed foos songs. Nothing from Wasted Light Wasting Light is on the top five foos streamed songs on Spotify. Really? I can see I'm that. assuming what? it's all stuff um from the early early years. From their greatest hits album that they released before Wasting Light. Yeah. Yeah. Is it all pre? No. What is Tom? Read them out. I'm curious. Everlong. What are they? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. The Pretender. That's yeah. more yep. recent. Yeah. Best of You. Learn yeah. to Fly. Yeah. Learn to Fly. All My Life, I'm guessing, is one. And All My Life. Yeah. Yeah. Best of You is a solid album, too. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, that's the one we were talking about. Um, in Your Honor. Sorry. Oh, sorry. In Your Honor, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's with Best of You. That That's the double album with the acoustic? Yeah. Solid. Solid stuff. So, so Matt, we just hijacked your uh, your conclusion. Yep. So, <laughs> most popular and your favorite again. Sorry. So I'm thinking um, oh. most popular uh, on this record is is between Roper these days. Um, my personal favorite on this album is White Limo. Okay. Interesting. And I, I'm just going to interject. Walk is their seventh most listened to song on Spotify. Ah. Oh, okay. All right, I've been proven wrong. On Spotify. What were the singles from the album? Um, they were rope. I think White Limo was used more for promo because they use they actually shot a music video. Um, but I think the the three main singles were Rope, Walk, and These Days. White Limo was a single. Arlandria was a single. Yeah, Burning was a single. See, I didn't know those last two were actually. Release as singles. How do you release six singles? And the here's fighters. the crazy thing: you have you have two releases in March, Rope and White Limo. Yeah. Walk in June, Arlandria in September, these days in November, and then Bridge Burning in June. The following year. The following, like more than a year later. Mm-hmm. Kind of makes sense though, right? Because they do those massive worldwide tours that take yeah like a year. Yeah. So you need yeah. to yeah. keep momentum. You need to keep. Keep ticket sales ticking over. Keep people interested. Yeah. Keep it relevant. So, have any of you guys seen them live? Yeah. No, I haven't. No. 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 I, I so I've seen them live a few times now. Um, the most fun one though was when he did the Throne of Guitars and took that on tour. I I was at that show in Toronto. That was so fun. Was that when he had a broken foot? Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. that's so. Guy cool. doesn't let anything slow him down. Crazy. No. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, I'd like to point out Bridge Burning because I got curious. I love that, that song, song too. That's my number two off this record. Yeah, it went number one in Canada. Oh, I didn't know that. Like, yeah, uh, everywhere else in the world, uh, or Billboard, number one rock, Canada rock Billboard. Uh, everywhere else, like 6, 14, 75. But like, that's again, I didn't even know they released it as a single. Yeah. And I'd also just like to remind all the headbangers out there that uh, he released an album called Probot with all of his heavy metal heroes. Uh, so get amongst it because it's fantastic. It's so good. I remember hearing it. It's one of my it's favorite so Dave Grohl albums. Yeah, it's really, I gotta really good. I got to check that out. 
All right, Chris, I can I first of all compliment you on your shirt? Um, oh, it's oh, fantastic. Big tie dye dig energy. Digging the fact that tie dye is back. Yeah, in a big way. Has it ever uh, been out of style? Because well, I've been wearing it for years. Uh, I do uh, ugly shirt Fridays, so I always make sure I wear my uh, most unmatching clothing. <laughs> so today I was wearing tie dye and a uh, Sheffield United soccer uh, jumper made out of an old scarf. It's absolutely <laughs> hideous. That's um, so eclectic. I. I got seven compliments on it today. Seven? Uh, nice. nice. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm dressed nicely all the time. No one says anything. As soon as you put on an ugly shirt, compliments fly everywhere. There but, you go. Uh, what do you got for us, Chris? All right. I've got the new basement tapes, uh, Lost on the River. It uh, was given to me in 2014 by Patsy McLean. Uh, and it is definitely one of those albums that is better on vinyl than than anything else Uh, i mean like i i feel like that it was meant for vinyl i mean you got the band and bob dylan that's like one of the most iconic albums of all time wait what hey wait dan which uh which basement tapes are you talking about the basement tapes yeah this is the the new basement tapes (laughs) because that is not what i listen to dan you didn't read the assignments like (laughs) so hang on let's just clarify this so dan okay your homework this week getting ready for the pod listen to everyone's (laughs) choices you've you've listened to bob dylan and the bands the basement tapes the basement tapes Great, yeah, great album. Oh, okay. Not, uh, All right. not the amazing album. album. Not, yeah, this yeah. Is not, and apparently it's no. not what Chris presented. Not the album so. Chris is talking about. We'll if try we're, to figure if out we're, what to say during this, but if we're going to be honest, then I didn't listen to Matt's either because I listened to the the wrong uh, the wrong <laughs> album for that one too. <laughs> so uh, I guess we're just being honest in this skit. So, but, uh, the, so Chris, tell no, us this about is the, the new basement this, tapes. The new basement tapes. So this one here is was put out in 2014. Uh, with Marcus Mumford, uh, it had oh Elvis Costello. What? Yeah, amazing. What? Um, Jim, Jim James, I want to say, um, and a couple others. I don't, I don't know a lot about Rhiannon and uh, Taylor Goldsmith. Uh, but it's it's the same idea as the original Basement Tapes, from my understanding, where they they found these um unused Bob Dylan songs lyrics. Just lyrics. Lyrics. Sorry, just lyrics. You're right. Uh, just lyrics. And uh, they actually wrote the music to it and uh, used the lyrics, but they had their own twist. So it's it doesn't sound like Bob Dylan. You can kind of, when you know it's the basement tapes, you kind of get mm-hmm. these Bob Dylan ideas in your head. But they went in like completely different directions. Every song, uh, it flows really nicely together, but every song is very unique in a, in a certain way. There's some banjo in there. There's some songs that are very, like, vocal powerful. Uh, and then there's some other songs where it's more guitar-based or uh, heavier stuff. I know um, one of the songs, if I'm not mistaken, it's Kansas City. Uh, Jack White, Elvis Costello couldn't make it to the studio. So Jack White, um, no, no, that's a lie. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Oh, my God. What is Jay this? Rec- like, you have okay. 
Wait, so T-Bone Burnett. Jacket? Yes. Elvis like, Costello and yes. Marcus Mumford from Mumford yeah. and Sons. Yeah, and uh, Rihanna. Making uh, music from Dylan's lyrics. Written, yes. So the from lyrics like the were 19... written 60s, yeah. They were written around the same yeah. time as the basement tapes were recorded. Oh, my God. Yeah, they were found in the basement. It's the same, it's the same story where they're found in the basement. Uh, rumor has it, I don't know if it's been confirmed or denied, uh, they were written around, he had a motorcycle accident in like 1966. So this is all from kind of that, that era. Um, now, ah, uh, like you, you hear that come through. So some of the songs are a little, I don't want to say cheesy, but Dylan-esque. And when it doesn't come from Dylan, it, mm. it doesn't feel the same. I know what you're saying. Uh, so when you listen to it digitally, I struggled with it. So this week, because I had it on um, on Spotify, in the car, or whatever, I, I was like, this album isn't isn't what I remember it. But the second you put it on vinyl, and I put it on oh, twice this week already, I was like, oh, it's, I can't explain it. I don't know why. But this is one of my most played albums. Like, if you look at this album, the... Oh. This, it's it's you it's really really used and I just I just figured out like how beautiful it is on vinyl. It's one of those rare rare situations where digitally I I could take it or leave it. The second you put it on vinyl and you're doing something, it's it's just a powerful piece and I definitely That's recommend amazing. if you don't have it and you got to pick it up. I, I wonder how affordable it is these days. But um, yeah, it's. To just to add a bit more to the backstory of it, so it, T, T, T Bone Burnett came across these lyrics, or they were they were sort of passed on to him to say, "Hey, do you want to do something with these?" They're from Dylan from late sixties, maybe sixty seven, something like that. Um, and then he made sure that Dylan was okay with it, and then and Dylan was on board, so he went out and found what he thought were the right musicians to deliver this album and then he sent all of them, each individually, all of the lyrics and they all came back with their own versions of songs for uh, oh, wow. for this. And I think they That's came, really cool. I think I think about 40 tracks they came back with and then as a group they decided on 20 to put on this album. Really cool. Yeah. Really cool idea. It's, That's awesome. It's, it's definitely like it's a unique piece it's and you can you can hear that it's not it's not polished in in a way that you'd you kind of expect from some of these artists and that's and that's what brings kind of light to the vinyl where if you listen on Spotify it's more the deluxe version and it sounds a little more polished mm. um it's yeah and it was only recorded over 2 weeks i was reading earlier this week and it's just and i think that's kind of important you hear you hear like the not the urgency in the songs, but you can you can tell right away. Yes, this is a super group, but it's a super group that came together for a very distinct purpose, and and nothing more. And you kind of don't mm. want any more from it. Like I don't expect them to ever make another album like this, but I also don't want them to. Like it's just enough where I can listen to this album a hundred, two hundred, three hundred times, and you're, I'm going to find something new. Even today, when I was listening to it, I was like. I couldn't I couldn't decide on a song I liked or more than another one because I kept I kept switching. I was like, oh, I like this. Oh, I like that. And you're picking up like these different versions within the songs themselves. And I think it makes it quite a unique album for that. And we should actually clarify the band is called the New Basement Tapes. That's the band. Ah. 
The supergroup is called okay. the New Basement Tapes. The album is called oh. Lost on the River. Is it? Okay, ah. see, I had no idea. I just assumed that makes so much, that makes a lot of sense. I just assumed it was the new basement tapes. Lost on the river was just a one-time thing. Mm. But there we go. All right. So I mean, how did T Bone? Why why did T Bone get these lyrics? I mean, like, why and why wouldn't Dylan have them? I mean, I, I guess was T Bone just like picking up the scraps from the '60s, working as as Dylan's guitarist and like keeping an archive of the stuff that Dylan wasn't using or something. I, how, I, how, how did he come it says, across? It says theory? they were previously uncovered, so I guess kind of like the basement tapes were sort of lost. I guess these lyrics had just never mm. been recorded or um, put into song. You know, maybe it was just like a scrapbook that Dylan had, and then wow. um, I don't know exactly how T Bone T Bone Burnett got onto them. No, he did, he produced it though, um, but some of them yeah. I'm not going to lie. Some of it you can hear is very. It's it's very rough, like it's not it's not grade A writing, but I think that that adds to the uh, the allure of the the songs. On the songs that the writing's not amazing, the musicians come in. You mm. you hear that Jim James influence, or you hear that Marcus Mumford influence in it, or uh, Elvis Costello comes in. Um, and Rhiannon has like this; she's so good on the banjo. Um, that she has like this way of bringing like this twang, a different, this old a different school. Rihanna. Re- yes, not Rihanna. 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 I don't. Sorry, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But um, she comes in with this like banjo twang, mm. but it's like it's modern, but also like old school at the same time. And she has a gorgeous voice. Like a couple oh, D- of her songs, Dylan, she knocks out of the park. Dylan plays a lot of banjo on so, the basement tapes. So it was. Um, it, it was actually. It wasn't a notebook. It was a box of lyrics. Hmm. Oh, okay. There we go. So Dylan's publisher gave Burnett a box of handwritten lyrics that hadn't that had been found that were dating from the sixties. I'm assuming like the the gatefold on the album is actually really oh, cool. Wow. It's just like the lyrics. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's this screenshot of all of them in the recording studio, and then a bunch of the handwritten stuff. So we'll post it to the Instagram oh, cool. account. That's really cool. Uh, it's. Yeah, and uh, the cover album, the cover out's just uh, a bunch of these like Peaky Blinders looking guys. So that photo is from the 1920s, apparently. Uh, I thought it was earlier. I thought it was oh, 1888. Oh, the 1800s? I, yeah, I thought it was uh, in New York. I seem to remember looking that up when I first first got this because, again, I got this album as a gift from my mother in law and I never heard of it. What, and what she was threw so her excited. To it? Um, I can't, I have no idea, but I think it was her first Amazon purchase. Uh, She got it off Amazon and I opened it and I was like, so I was just ecstatic because I was like, it's, you know, it's 2014. It's the height of like that um, kind of Mumford and Sons, the hype was over and it was kind of this new, new age to music. But these guys brought back some of that that twanginess that Mumford and Sons left behind. And I said this before to you guys. This album, I think if it came out two or three years earlier, would have been massive. Right. Uh, At the height of Mumford and Sons. Sons. It would have been massive. Um, But I think it was just a little too post, so some of us held on to it. Um, It actually might have been too early as well, because there's some, like, sea shanty style songs on here. (laughs) 
that seem to be popular nowadays. Yeah. So it was either like a little bit late, but also a little bit early. It's pretty it's, good uh, that you got a copy of it when you did. I just had a look and I can't get a copy for less than $150 in Australia. Jesus. Oh my God. Well, yeah. Wow. Again, I was saying mine's very well played. It's not chewed by the bunny, this one. Um, <laughs> but so but not I was as looking. Not as valuable. Not as valuable, but it's definitely, you can see, there's no scratches or anything, but wear and tear on the the center is definitely it's it's been well played oh. and when i put it on i was like why isn't this in my rotation again because it's yeah spectacular cops actually have a copy for sale for 35 dollars. there you go dan oh, you're nice welcome. there you go dan do you want me to get it for you tom shout out to cops records again <laughs> oh yeah i'm going there tomorrow that's my, my that's my goal my, my last point to this because i i'm gonna have to listen to this after uh we after the recording because you didn't read the Imagine. assignment I didn't read the assignment, you know, I, whatever. Me and you, buddy. Me and um, you. <laughs> what's, uh, yeah, who's, who's Marcus Mumford? I don't know. Um, <laughs> imagine being such a great songwriter that you can just toss songs into a box and forget about them. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. And, eh? then, and then 40 years later, the most, some of the most popular musicians of that time come together and make music on your behalf with those lyrics. Yeah. Like okay. Insane. That's a great now point. I'm gonna Bob, say Bob Zimmer, Bob Zimmerman. Come on, man. Okay. I'm gonna say some of them maybe should have stayed in the box, but uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Chris just giving but, songwriting advice to Bob Dylan. I am not, but uh, I get why they were tossed in the box, though. There's some, there's some. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Okay, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my favorites off this. Um, from from today's listen, I'm gonna base it off how I was feeling today, um, and there's a song called Spanish Mary, which is which is a really good uh, vocal song, e- eerily chilling. So I'm gonna go with Spanish Mary and um, Liberty Street. So uh, they're actually back to back, and uh, both those songs always I always jump around on this album. I could probably name like ten of the songs on here that I really really like. But those two, especially today, uh, jumped out at me. So if you you want to check the album out, I suggest starting starting with those two. Wow. Okay. Awesome. Well, great pick. Yeah. Wish mm-hmm. I would have listened to it, but now I got something to listen to after the show. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> nice. You can hey, give uh, us our insight next week. The basement tapes. Or next month. Too. The new basement tapes. New. New. The old the basement band tapes. Are good. Is the new basement tapes. The band is the new basement tapes. What is it? Lost, lost by the river. Lost on the lost river. on the river. Lost on the river. Okay. Which is another great song. But, but the band did the basement tape. Just to confuse yes. things. I am yeah. aware of that because that's what I listened to. <laughs> An album that I actually really like. Long album, but yeah. Should we talk? Should we talk about the basement tape? Too, I got a lot. I got a LP. lot for that. Moving on. Tom, it's your turn. Uh, <laughs> well, thanks for that. Great introduction, Dan. Uh, so we're talking about gifts. I actually, as I said, one of the great things about being a record collector is it's like an easy option for people to give you a gift. And I have received quite a number of records as gifts over the years. But one of the most sentimental I'm going to talk about is this French pressing of the Beatles uh, single All You Need Is Love with the B-side Baby You're a Rich Man. And um, Chris, I know you in particular just absolutely love this this 
album art or sleeve art. It's it's yeah, great. It's it it may be up there for like some of my favorite art of like album art. It's so simple and mm. so like for the listeners, it's it's just like their hair and their mustaches <laughs> on a white background with the Beatles and just pink. Is it pink or red on the camera? Uh, you can't really tell. It's pink. It's pink, pink and black and white, and it's just like it. Uh, it screams the Beatles. It screams that like era of like art. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely gonna rip that off for one of our uh, out, like nice. episode covers. And then it's it's one of the old school singles with the bigger. Oh, I love hole, it. so you've got to get a a, a bigger. Um, I'm I'm not even sure what the technical term for that is. But um, you know what I mean. So it's an Odeon pressing. It's it's really nice. So the backstory with this is, um, two years ago, my one of my good friends from growing up from from high school, John. Um, married, got married to his wife Lizzie and they're both record collectors and they love all things vintage and uh, so I knew as a wedding present I wanted to get them some some sort of record that would be sentimental um, and that was reinforced when I got their wedding invitation um, which as you can see here is like a, a pretend record in a sleeve so this was the invitation so cool Yo, Tom, you have to describe that so, so people understand. So this is Lizzie, John's wife, is really crafty. She made this. So the outer sleeve, which has these nice birds on it, has on the back has the RSVP details, and then it's got um, a cutout for the record label, and that has the details of the wedding and saying you're invited, and then you can actually pull it out. So so the the invitation is is a record. That's it's so cool, cool. Um, really which cool. I've kept, which which now lives um, with this Beatles single. So the story oh, is um, love it. I needed to get them a wedding present and I went to, I called the Brisbane Record Exchange, which is this record store in um, downtown Brisbane, sort of main drag of Brisbane, owned by this old English guy and, and he claims to have a quarter of a million records in stock. It's this, I've sent you guys photos of this place what? before when he's let me... Um, go into the stock room and just dig through these shelves of unsorted records. It's, it's amazing, this place. And uh, I thought if anyone's going to have what I need, it's this guy. So I called him up. I said, I want a UK first pressing of I Want to Hold Your Hand. Beatles, I Want to Hold Your Hand. They're Beatles fans. They're record collectors. They're getting married. It's a romantic song. And... Uh, Anyway, I I called him and he said, yeah, I've got a copy of that. Like straight away. Because I need this specific thing. Yeah, yeah, I've got a copy of that. Wow. So I hopped in the car, went, grabbed it um, and uh, and gave them that as their their wedding present and they were obviously stoked as as Beatles fans and record collectors. And uh, and anyway, thought nothing of it. And then um, Alicia and I got married last year um, and sure enough, Maybe like two weeks after we got married, this package turns up in the mail, and it's all like, like a box, and then like styrofoam, or whatever, like really delicately uh, uh, wrapped. And um, it was from John and Lizzie, and it was this Beatles single, "All You Need Is Love." So, um, you know, two friends who grew up together, and we got each other wedding presents that were Beatles singles about love. So, I very, love very romantic. That's cool. Awesome. It's very cute. Great gifts. Um, so yeah, great, great gifts. That's there's not much more to say about that really. I kind of covered it all. Uh, yeah, 
Hey, short and sweet, man. Yeah, but how about those songs though? What great a great, song. what a great yeah. single. Yeah, yeah. It's it, and like I don't listen to a lot of singles because I kind of find them painful to be getting up and down and up and down and changing them. But I do have. I've so probably spoiled. got twenty singles in my collection. This is by far the most treasured for the sentimental reasons. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's I, what I find so awesome about giving people like physical music as a gift is you're sort of sharing your passion with someone else. You know, you're mm-hmm. you're you're trying to pass on to them. You know, you were excited about it for some reason, and so you've decided to give it to someone else. Um, to see, you know, and hopefully they're as excited as you are. I, I think that's really cool. That's what I, you know, in terms of giving people, you know, like when friends of mine have started collecting, I've sort of picked some stuff out of my collection to give to them as a gift to kind of be like, hey, you know, welcome to this journey. You'll never have money to spend on drugs anymore because now you're collecting records. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. Love it. Um, I've also some notable... Given uh, that was that was brief, Alicia's parents got me a copy of Back in Black at some point, which was very well received. And then um, I once exchanged, I gave a friend a ticket to one of Chris's favourite bands. I had a spare ticket to Radiohead in Sydney. And uh, I know Chris loves Radiohead so much. And then in Ooh, return... Biggest fan on earth. Like the next week at work, they showed up. Um, it was a colleague of mine. They showed up with OK Computer as a gift. On vinyl. Oh, wow. Oh, Great. wow. Okay. Yeah. That's going to be a tough one to find. Yeah. Yeah. So that's me. Uh, short and sweet. Amazing. What's your uh, two favorite songs off that <laughs> one, eh? Yeah, yeah look. <laughs> oh, it's tough. I'm going to go with All You Need Is Love as my oh, first choice. Okay. Uh-huh. And, Bold. Uh, look, I'll <laughs> go uh, Baby, You're a Rich Man. Nice. Even bolder. Actually, I, 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 Tom, I want, I want you to wrap up your segment by trying to figure out whose silhouettes are who are whose. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh man. Okay, so let's go with the easy ones first. That's that's Paul. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Great. Everyone agree, Dan? Okay. That's yep. Paul. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. Paul. Um. Today, Junior. George? No. George? Yes. Okay. Then... I wouldn't have got that right. That's George. That's... Or is that John? That's John. Okay. I'm going to start again. Paul is the most obvious. Actually, I I don't even think that's Paul. I think that's probably Ringo. You think that's Ringo? Yeah. No. It's kind of looking like Paul's the second one. Yeah. I agree. It? So oh, maybe okay. that's the second one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really? thinking that's Paul. I thought so, it was Ringo. Okay. So that's one Ringo, of these yeah. is Paul and one of these is Ringo. That's George <laughs> and that's John. Yeah, okay. There you go. All right. There we go. We got there in the end. We'll post We'll post a photo on, the, on our Instagram. Everyone can have a chance yeah. to guess. And then, Dan, I would like you to wrap up the segment by telling us which of us is which. Oh, okay. I'm Paul for sure. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. You get to be the coolest which one. Which Beatles bald? Which Beatles bald? 
This is hard, actually. I mean, okay. I feel like the band leader is Tom, which would make him Paul. Oh. Oh, really? Paul's make the band leader? Yeah. For sure, Paul. Right? Yeah. For sure, he's the band yeah. leader. Come on. Yeah. Okay, so I'm Paul. The, con- the controversial one was John, which would make that yeah. Chris. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Right? Agreed. I feel like the more reserved one and musically talented was George, which would make that Matt. And then okay. that would make me Ringo. But what okay. makes you Ringo? Interesting. Yeah, I don't feel like... You know, he's he's keeping the band together. Um, best best drummer of all time. <laughs> looks um, looks great in a space suit. The most <laughs> handsomest, and will end up living the longest. Oh, okay. okay. All right. There you go. Okay. All right. Look, I can live with that. I can live with all of that. Right. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I can live with that. There too. you go. I mean, this is bullshit. Oh, good pick, right? <laughs> <laughs> Chris has the hair too. Chris looks like John yeah. Lennon right now. That's true. Oh, and with the glasses? So yeah. So is I was gonna say, um, Lauren said after meeting you, you totally had a John Lennon vibe going on. Oh. There you go. So is Lee oh. gonna break up the pod? Oh. Yo, Lee has a better singing <laughs> voice than Yoko. Shout out shout out to Lee. You're amazing. Yeah. But... She hasn't listened to a single episode, so <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh that was fun. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure she had to cut the last episode short because uh, Chris was making too much noise for Veda. Yeah, I did. I got yelled at. So, so Chris, now you now you have the the album art for for an episode in the future, and you can do silhouettes. Yeah, we're gonna do silhouettes. Don't worry, we'll do it's it. Beautiful. All right, I'm excited for this last one. Dan, both the the story and the choice hit us. What have you got? What is your vinyl gift of choice? Okay. Uh, I'm going with a pick here that uh, I've talked about these guys in a previous bonus episode, live music episode. Yeah. Um, this happens to be one of my favorite albums of all time. Oh, wow. Oh. You know, for two reasons. One, because I find that music on it to be phenomenal, and there's also a lot of sentimentality behind it um, because it was a gift, right? So I'm going with Fleet Fox's Helpless is Blues. This is their sophomore album. Um, you know, this actually, I think this is their last album with Father John Misty yeah. on it. Um, after after this album, it was really mostly Robin Pecknell that produced and wrote most of the stuff. And uh, Father John Misty went on his own way. Um, Father John Misty played drums in the band and was a big part of the harmonies. Um, but, you know, basically when... You know, when Alina and I were first together, we'd been together for about a year. And um, when this album came out, it was, you know, I was already a big Fleet Foxes fan. And so I was really excited to hear that they were releasing a new album. And they had talked about it, actually. You'd hear inklings of them going to release new albums for a couple of years. But um, because they were touring, they kept postponing the release of it. So when it finally came out, it was it had a lot of buildup and... Um, you know, a lot of people were waiting for that to happen. And so when it came out, I thought as soon as I put it on, it was like, to me, it hits from start to finish. And um, 
I had I had this on like I had this burned or yeah I think I had this burned on a CD back back when it came <laughs> out and nice it was living it was living in in my in my car and basically what the, the lifestyle I was living was I would um wait for my mom to come home and as soon as she'd come home in the afternoon I'd grab the car I'd drive to Alina's dad's house where she was staying and I'd spend all night there. I would wake up at like six in the morning, drive back to my parents' house so my mom could have the car for work. And I'd do that basically every day. And the drive from my house, my parents' house to Aline's dad's house was about this, the exact length of this record. Oh, really? Meant so to be. I, would, I would listen to it front to back. Nice. Both ways. And so I listened to it a ton. The, uh, the concert that I talked about in the bonus episode was the concert for this tour. Oh, wow. Um, so to me, it's just, you know, it, it, Alina, Alina bought this for me on vinyl for my birthday because it, uh, the album released just before my birthday did in June. So, um, you know, so to have this on vinyl and this is, you know, at the time it was one of our most, most, most played records, uh, uh, in our collection and it still gets a lot of play and it's, it's, it's one, definitely one of my favorites. Um, I just like to say, I love that you anticipated this album and when you listened to it, it was everything you expected mm. because usually that, that doesn't happen. And that, that makes this even more special for you. It's right. Like you waited and you waited and then finally it came and you were like, yes, this is what yeah. I wanted. Because Absolutely. how many times, how many times do you do that? And it just doesn't hit home or you're like, Ooh, is that what I actually wanted? So I think that makes this so special for you. And I, 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 I love that idea that, that you waited and you, and you got what you wanted. I, I agree, man. Like I, I, there's, there are a lot, a lot of some of my favorite albums, you know, it took, took a few listens to actually get warmed up to it. Um, but this is one of those very select few where as soon as the first song came on, it was like, they didn't really skip a beat from their first album. They still carry that same style, but what I which love is so them, hard to do, which is really hard to do. And it's, it's really hard to like maintain the same style, but to also have a different tone, right. And to have a different vibe, you know, this album was very, it's, it's pretty clearly written about someone who likely broke Robin Pecknell's heart from start to finish. He's basically talking about love lost and, and experiences that he may have had with this person. And you, and, and as the album progresses, you kind of see, his realization to kind of let it go. And then the last song is like this, it's like this ecstatic release of I can finally move on. Right. So I find the album tells a really good story and the pacing was really good. And there's some epic tracks on that, uh, on the album. Released the same year as Wasting Light too, which is a funny little coincidence. Amazing. Yeah. That's man. I wish, I wish I read the, uh, the podcast notes like Dan did because then I would have enjoyed this album. I'm going to go back like Dan and listen to it later tonight. It's actually a really... We'll do, we'll do a bonus episode, you and me, Chris, where we talk about... <laughs> just just <laughs> us. How, how we re-listen to the stuff that we're supposed to listen to. It's, it's actually... It, it's a Dan, I know what you mean about the moment you put it on. You just sink into it. You're like, yeah, I'm going to love this album. And uh, I, I can... I haven't listened to it on vinyl, but I can totally understand why this would be a great vinyl 
listening experience. It's a really warm record, and I just feel like it's it's the perfect style of music for sitting back and just listening to it start to finish on an album experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a I, I've I've listened to it a couple of times um, in the space between these two episodes because I knew it was coming up, and uh, it's a really great choice. I think I'm I'm gonna have to get it on on vinyl at some point and add it to the collection. Awesome. Yeah, this this I mean I, I I find Fleet Fox to be such a special band. Um, I, I I find most of the stuff that they release is amazing. I mean they're 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 primarily folk rock. Yeah. But uh, I think they do a really good job of blending a lot of different genres into their music, and I find that the songwriting to be really really high end. Um. And and obviously there's the sentimentality of the band right and. Every That's huge, time, though. Every time I listen to Helpless is Blues, it just brings me back to that that time, right? Like yeah. I've, I've been with Alina for 11 years now, and it always brings me back to that first year, which is just such a special moment of of of, uh, of a relationship yeah. where everything is new and, and all the feelings are new, and you're just so excited to see that person, right? I'm still obviously excited to see her every day, but, you know, it's just... That first year was it was exciting. We had just left, we had just left where we were where we had met where we we'd met in school, and we we're just waiting to move to Toronto, right? And we're kind of just living a, a nonchalant lifestyle where we weren't really working, and we we're just kind of waiting to move, right? And um, we had a lot of great times, and, and just every time I listen to it, it always brings me back to that, and especially the song "Helpless is Blues," where there's when when you have that that moment where you have the breakdown and he talks about um what is what does he talk about um something about how the, the person is is working at a restaurant and and he hopes to one day you know buy a piece of land and to own an orchard it was like an idealistic idea that i had mm. at at that time right and yeah. so it you know it brings me back to that like young young adult life and that that young love and so to me it just that's that's why i love this album so much. awesome man that's really cool love it such yeah. holds such a great memory and uh for me that's cool i it, man music is such a time machine like that you know totally. you hear a certain song and it takes you right back and you can almost feel like you're in that moment again oh man I, it, it, and this this is one of those that does that to me the most for sure before we get into your um, your top picks, most popular and your favourite, um, that's a really interesting point around this this being a moment in time and taking you back to that period in your relationship. Um, do you, Chris and Matt, do you guys have a band or an album that um, you and your partners both love and always go back to? Oh yeah. What, what's a few? Uh, definitely Chemical City, uh, Sam Roberts. Had to be Sam like, Roberts. It had to be. Well, it's like my <laughs> wedding song. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. We still, we listen to it all the time. Lee was talking about the other day. She's like, uh, we've been trying to do like monthly, um, date nights. And the next one she picked is we're going to go get tattoos. And she's trying to convince me to go get Sam Roberts tattoos. Wow. Um, nice. And I'm, uh, I'm a Stay tuned. little this hesitant. Is, last, I, last time Chris, I got a tattoo, it wasn't the best idea of my entire life. Chris, um, it's it's time for you to get Sam Roberts tattooed on your butt. Dude, 
Yeah, on my butt. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, over my heart. What about your whole back? The cover <laughs> just of Chemical City. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. boy. That'd be epic. Man, only if Chris Price does it. And Dan gets his bass tattoo. <laughs> okay. Matt, what about okay. you? Do you have uh, something in mind that's a really <laughs> sentimental album? I do. I don't know if I can narrow it down to one album, but as an artist, probably Lady Gaga. Mm. Um, both me and my wife are big fans of Lady Gaga, and um, we like all of her records. I think if I had to pick one, it would probably be Joanne. Um, oh, that's, that's one that we play song. off. Uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> One that we play quite often, and um, for her birthday the one year, I took her to go see Lady Gaga, um, which was a great show, and it was for that tour. So I would have to say it's probably that album. Awesome. Love it. We, um, for Leash and I, one record that gets played all the time um, and was the first one we listened to when we came home from getting married is Neil Young's Harvest. Um, nice. Probably our most listened to record and the first thing we wanted to dance to after we got married. Um, yeah, love it. Yeah, absolutely love that album. We listen to it so much. The other one um, that we we saw together and we listened to a lot is Zach Brown Band. Um, and I wasn't really a country music guy before I met Leash. She's, you know, country music's obviously more popular or very popular in Canada and she sort of... Um, got me more into it and opened my horizons a bit more. And, uh, yeah, we saw Zach Brown Band live together in Sydney a few years ago. And we actually, um, I recently got our wedding photos printed into a book. And, you know, you can get those photo books done up. And I needed to fill a page um, at the back, like a blank a blank page. I didn't want to just leave it blank. So I did the lyrics to one of their songs, which is um, the song Free. I don't know if you know it, but um, it's off one of their their albums that they sort of broke out with, and it's it's actually written about Byron Bay in Australia. So um, that's, that's a nice fun. little synergy there. Oh, nice. That's cool. Very cool. So, All right, Dan, what's your songs? Yeah, Dan, let's hear these songs. Um, the, for me, actually, one of my favorite songs is the title track, and so it's one of the more popular and well-known songs. Um, it's a really epic tune. Um, hopefully people listening to it who've never heard of this band kind of jump into the band with that song because I think you would be a, you could be a fan just just by listening to it. And then the other one is because I feel like the album does a great job to tell a story from start to finish, it's the epiphany the the songwriter has in the song Grown Ocean, the very last song, um, that always gets me every time I listen to that song. It's just such a it's such an optimistic tune, and it's just great for anyone going through anything to just kind of be able to kind of it, it, the whole vibe of the song is to basically you know climb a mountain, turn around and look at the ocean and realize that you're a speck of dust in the universe and that nothing else matters, and that you should just enjoy the beauty that you're looking at. Hmm. So, um, I like that. You know, that's, and I, I think the song as well, the tone and, and the vibe of the song is just really beautiful. So, so Dan, if, if I was to listen to this album for the first time, not shuffle, should it, should I just dedicate whatever the hour and 20 minutes and just front, give it front, a full listen front, front to, to back. back? Front to back. Yeah. Okay. It tells feels a, like the way you're explaining this. Yeah. It, tell, it tells a story. Um, it's, it's, it's quite a long album at 50, at 50 minutes. So it is a, a very much a long play. Yeah. 
Um, but from start to finish, you'll kind of get a, an understanding of what the relationship was, moments that they had, a, a moment that kind of split them up. And then there's kind of a, a bit of a lull of, of uh, a chaotic period. And then there's a, a song that references an argument. So be sure you understand that the song is called an argument before you actually listen to it. Cause that's a very chaotic song. And then the song blue spotted tail and grown ocean are the perfect end to the story and the experience that the songwriter had. To, I, I to, love to be able to get this epiphany of being able to move on. So I love that because the album I chose was very much, you didn't have that transition. There didn't feel like uh-huh. it, it didn't feel like that. Uh, it felt like a bunch of individual songs. I mm-hmm. uh, no, Well, not always, but, um, we love it, but I love, I love that, that continuation. And again, that's why it's the perfect album on vinyl. So, uh, very cool. We love a concept album. Very, very cool. Love it. Absolutely. Always. I we love we always albums. talk about this. I'm yeah. actually excited to listen to it again with new ears after you, your description of it then. Me too. Because nice. again, new nice. perspective. I, I'm i not, I, I've never been a Fleet Fox. In fact, I said this last time, I didn't even know Father John Misty was part of Fleet Foxes. Uh, which yeah, when Dan told me that. Wait, when, when you told me that, and then I went, oh, that makes so much sense when you listen to both bands. Mm. Yeah. And I was like, but I never put it together. Um, so I definitely have to go back, listen with fresh ears. And this is, again, why I love this podcast, because it gets you into new music. For I was sure, telling man. Matt, I was telling Matt a couple months ago, probably in the summer, I was like, I, I stopped listening. Like, I, I, everyone gets to that point, but I like hit a wall where I was just like, ah, I'm sick of music. I'm sick of the same thing. And Spotify <laughs> feeds you like similar things. Mm, yeah. But then talking to you guys and starting the podcast, I was like, oh. Let's check out this band. Oh, let's go revisit Zeppelin. Do do I actually like them? Right. Mm-hmm. Let's go visit bands I thought I knew songs of that I had no idea. Like the Beatles earlier this year when I was like, oh, or the Rolling Stones. Tom, um, Exile yeah. on Main Street is now like one of my most played albums on Spotify. Oh, that's easily. awesome. Right. So so like I really appreciate like the idea of of this and Dan's insights and all of that for and, and getting on, me back on- into music. Honestly, Chris, just to reverberate that, like I just love the the, the diversity of our tastes in music. Yeah. Nobody here has the same taste in music, but I think we all have the same sort of appreciation for the for music, right? And and oh, you absolutely. guys have obviously made amazing recommendations for me too, right? So mm-hmm. definitely. Thank you for that gift. Yeah, there you <laughs> oh, go. That's nice. the gift. Oh, Bring it oh, in home. Gift. What a gift. So um <laughs> Before we get too lovey-dovey, I got some bad news, gents. Oh, oh no. It's, it's it, it is that time. Oh. Uh, bad news? Were so, you talking about Glenn? You know, we it, we may have all just had our nice little love in there and touchy-feely and we all love each other and gift this and gift that. But now comes the moment of the episode where we go to the agent of chaos, Glenn, the hot take wheel. He hits us with a topic and we may not leave here in such a harmonious fashion. I have I have to write a death metal riff to go with this. <laughs> I was gonna say like something punky death metal. Yeah, nice don't, intro. Song. Something that feels like don't. impending doom. Doom. Don't make yeah, me exactly. write it because it'll be out of key and it'll be great. Uh, <laughs> all right. So here's here's the what's uh, on the wheel. Here's what's on here's on what's on the wheel. We got best uh, best song. Like. Just of all best time. song of all time. We got no big deal. Best song of all time. We got Big-time. Roger Waters or David Gilmore. 
a popular band you can't get into, Colored Vinyl and Picture Dist, cool or gimmick, and then most iconic riff of all time. All <laughs> wow. right, I would like wow, to say wow. I fixed the wheel. I fixed the wheel today, so it actually runs on battery power. Well, Glenn has been healed. Can you? Glenn has been healed. I don't just spin it, so here we go. Matt, hopefully you can hear the ticking. Yeah. Oh, give me a good one. What give is me a good one? Give me a good it's one. It's not. It's not five. The first time I spun it today, and it didn't land on five. Oh. It landed on four, which is colored vinyl and picture disc, cool or a gimmick. Oh, cool. This. All right, I'm gonna. Start. Chris has all of the picture discs and colored discs in the world, so you got to go first. Uh, yes, he does. Uh, yeah. I don't have a single picture disc, but colored vinyl. Holy hell, am I a sucker for colored vinyl? <laughs> I. I love it. And my second choice today, which I almost, almost picked, uh, my dad got me a red um, Who vinyl, and it it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. I think it was probably in grade 11, and he bought it for me, and I was like, this is the coolest record I've ever seen in my entire life. And since that day, if I can get a picture disc, I will pay extra for it. Or sorry, color disc. I will pay extra for it. I love it. You can't tell me it's not cool. It's wow. it's so cool. Yeah, I, I'm right there with Chris. I knew I'm a you sucker would be. for it too. Uh, it's my favorite. I love it. Every time I see one, it makes me happy. Um, I love picture discs, discs too. Um, they're fantastic. And I'm just like you, Chris. If I can find either or, I will pay a little bit extra. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So I'm. I, I think I feel like maybe we're going to be split down the middle here. Um, I mm-hmm. I. I think they're cool, but I think they're a gimmick. Um, and I, I will go out of my way to not buy a colored vinyl. I will always yes, choose Tom. black vinyl. Yes, now. Tom. And nah. I, I think I only own two, and that's not from choice. I, I tried to buy a copy of Rage Against the Machine's first album, and when I got there, it was a picture disc. It's really cool. It is cool. But... It's. I feel it's gimmicky. I just wanted their album. I didn't want the album cover on a disc. Um, and I have the dub side of the moon, which is the um, the reggae version of Dark Side of the Moon. That's green vinyl for obvious reasons. Again, that's just the way it came. It, I didn't. You know, if it was a black vinyl, I would have taken it. I I understand why they do it. Um, you know, and maybe it it became more um, prominent when record sales were going down and they needed a way to get people interested in it again. I get that, you know, if it's a pre-sale, they might do colored or picture as a gimmick to get people to buy the pre-sale version and pay more for it. I don't, I just, they don't appeal to me. I don't, I, I don't care that other people like them. I, I also read that actually back in the day, it's not the case now, but back in the day, black vinyl pressings were the highest quality and coloured pressings were a lower quality. So back when uh, black vinyl was the most common, the audio quality of coloured vinyl was crap. Um, So I'm going to pretend that that's also the reason I don't like them. Um, But what I will say is that all vinyl records are coloured vinyl because PVC is naturally a whitish clear colour. So they it's add, true. they there's an additive to make them black. 
Or bl- black, black as a shade. Sorry. Okay. So they're all colored or shaded. It, hey, I have a couple clear vinyls. So does that mean that mean I'm the only one here with, or me and Matt are the only one here with true vinyl? Because I know me and him have some clear ones. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Maybe you guys oh, are the purists. So you, you're the one who's right. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's that's where I stand on on the matter. I will never yeah. see yeah. Carter Cole. No, you have to pick a side. Pick a side. Take a hard line black here. Black one. I will Your never, I will never choose color one. Okay. Give it. All right. Okay, what's the green? Solid green or is it that see-through it's see-through. green? see-through. Yeah, so cool. I mean, love it. <laughs> I'll post a photo of it. Yeah, Yo, you better. It's amazing. Okay, Dan, where do you where okay. do you stand on this issue? Yeah, I, I'm going to split this up. Colored vinyl and picture discs. I agree. Cool, they're two separate things. Cool or gimmick, right? So yeah. let's let's go with colored vinyl. It's a gimmick, right? It is definitely designed to get people to jump back into into buying vinyl records. This is not something that was really done back in the day. And if it was done back in the day, it was a gimmick for people to collect. Love it. Okay. For me, my record collection is to listen to. It is a collection. And I I do, since I've been putting my records into Discogs, I very much appreciate the value (laughs) as a collection. (laughs) But I'm not going out of my way to look for colored vinyl. Mind you, guys, we have our copies of Mouse Rat's album coming in. They're yes. in transit. We should be getting them next week sometime. I did get a colored vinyl version oh. of it. Why? Because it's, a gimmick. it's more valuable. There's less oh. of those being made, right? Sure. Oh, really? So okay. that I understand. I'm not a big collector of new vinyl, but I understand that they make less copies of colored vinyls in certain things, Generally speaking. which makes them more valuable. Okay. So that's sure. why I'm with colored. I, I don't necessarily think it's that like a cool thing i think like a lot of stuff if it makes you happy then i'm, I'm really glad that you guys are collecting Agreed. it and that's to me that's all that matters about this hobby okay so colored vinyl i don't think it's cool i think it's a gimmick but i'm here for it <laughs> now now <laughs> picture discs if you own a picture disc do me a favor Take it out of its sleeve and break that shit. <laughs> it is to me that is the dumbest gimmick in this entire hobby. Big fan. I do not want a picture of anything on my vinyl. It's spinning, so how am I even supposed to look at the picture? What a dumb gimmick! Like, just just toss there are it versions the of that that are actually an animation. Not. Yeah, have you seen the Star Wars one? It does a three D hologram. Yeah. But that's cool then. That's cool. But <laughs> that is cool. most picture discs are garbage. I, I yeah, I don't, I don't like them because here's the thing, like to me, like I love album art. I love the way uh I, I love how artists take the time to really think about what their sleeve is gonna look like and then to just have something put on a, a vinyl and there's grooves in it. I just always find it looks tacky. I always find it looks trashy. Yeah. I, I personally don't like it. I think it's a real gimmick and a gimmick that I'm not here for. So colored colored vinyl is a gimmick, but I, I, I'm okay with it. Picture disc is also a gimmick and I'm not okay with it. Can it can it be a gimmick and be cool? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe cool is a subjective uh, term. Is yeah. so yeah. It, a, a colored colored vinyl 
is obviously a gimmick, but is it also cool? I'm voting yes. It's Matt, your, it's, it's your yeah, choice. Yeah, I'm voting yes, too. Okay. Are you Tom, agreeing that it's gimmick? a gimmick? Yeah, it is, it's gimmicky, but it's also cool. I'll agree with that. <laughs> it's gimmicky. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. So we got, we got two and a half gimmicks. <laughs> yeah. And we have two cools. Yeah. What do you think, Tom? Uh, look, I, I think it's gimmicky. It's kind of cool, but I will never choose colored vinyl over black vinyl. If I have a choice. All right. Picture this. What do we think? So Dan's an absolute no. I, I've i never yeah. actually bought a picture. My first picture disc I've ever owned, Carvalho gave me like a month ago. Huh. What was that? Uh, yeah. Uh, I think it was a Taylor Swift album that you gave me. You gave me a bunch of, like going to Matt's house, he sent me home with a goodie bag. His record like, store. <laughs> going, going to Matt's albums. record store that he lives at. Yeah. This guy here, I don't know if... He, had, he, has, he has like four uh, turntables in his basement <laughs> that are just sitting there ready to be used. And we're not talking like cheap turntables. We're talking like the best turntables of all time. Well, and it's like, man, why don't you, you need, have this hooked up? You need two SL1200s to be a, to be a producer. That's one right? of them. That's one of them that's just sitting there. And I was like, fuck, I was, oh, I was like I, complaining that I need a new turntable. I should have just went to Matt's <laughs> house and stole one to borrow. <laughs> Yeah, okay, $1,000. To be fair, I forgot it was even there. <laughs> yeah, he forgot. He got, yeah, he said he found them at the University of Waterloo when he did some some work there. I was like, oh yeah, God. lost my mind. Oh my but so that was the first time. Now, would I pay extra for a color or um, a picture disc? No, uh, no. Would I pay extra, a little extra for a colored? Yes. So I'm going to go with picture disc, super gimmicky. Don't. Like, are they I meant like to be the put on your them? wall? Will I buy it? No. Like, are you meant to frame it and put it on your wall? Yeah, I think I, I love I think that, that would be the idea. The idea of it. Would I go if I, if I had black colored picture disc, if I had a choice of the three, I'd go with depending on the artist, I'd probably go with colored. Uh, the other two, uh, depending on what the album was, but I would never pick picture disc over just normal or. Yeah, see, so I would I just, out of I those just, three, like, to, I would always me, choose black. Really? To me, like, to me, like it. it you know, I, I find an album, a square album in a in a plastic protective sleeve, can present well on a wall, mm-hmm. but it, it's it's that plastic thing that picture discs go in yeah. that I just find looks bad. Yeah, I agree. I get what you're saying. And, yeah. and, I agree. And, and like I totally like, if they're collectible and and there's some value to it, and and if, and you enjoy collecting it, then. 100% I support that and I, I love that for you but like I, to me I just like I don't find they actually look good and I think they display terribly how, how many and, on a scale of hundreds how many picture discs do you have Matt? <laughs> Three hundred. I probably have I would say 20 to 30 Man, Less than a any good record story. But the majority, to be fair, lost. the majority of those are singles. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to say the one you I gave can, me is I a single. I could probably count on two hands how many are albums. I, I, and that's the thing is, I I kind of do agree with you guys. I guess picture discs, discs are a little gimmicky. I do enjoy them, but if I had to pick, I'd probably go color or black over getting a picture disc. If it's the only way I can get something... Like and like, for example, a single. Then I'll go for it. But 
if I'm going for the album, I want like the standard mm-hmm. album, mm-hmm. no matter what color the disc is. No, I think that's interesting because I think the single with the picture disc is cool. I like it. It, it can have a cool aspect because yeah. then you don't you don't get the album art with it. You do the album art on the on the yes. actual album, and, and you that's do a where I think sleeve. it works better. Yeah, so I agree with that. Yeah, I like I like that idea. Would I buy it? I'm 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 with Tom and I'm with Dan. Where I don't really do a lot of singles because why would you in this age of Spotify? Um, I've really backed away from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the end of but, the day, unless it's like a record store day release. Yeah, which again, that's also gimmicky. Which yes. you know, I'm a sucker for. I'm, do you know what? Screw it. I'm a sucker a sucker for gimmicks. I love it. I love it. If, if, if you're really into this hobby for the collecting aspect and then finding sense. value in things, then it, it makes, makes total sense, yeah. sense, right? And, yeah. And at the end yeah, of the yeah, day, why not? Like it's your hobby, so do whatever you want. Yeah. Whatever right, exactly. makes you happy. Yep. No, that this is too lovey dovey in the end. You okay. guys are both wrong. <laughs> you guys are both wrong. No, and the they're both is, cool. I, I'm switching my mind. I the like verdict both of them. is split decision. Yeah. Yeah. I hate it. Two to we'll two. do a poll. The verdict, Can we do as a poll? with all of these, the verdict is it is subjective. But that's yeah. not interesting. Oh. So let's call it a split decision. Yeah. And we'll <laughs> and do an Instagram and poll. And let's yeah, see who you side with. Yeah. A split decision goes to the Instagram audience. Yeah, yes. there we go. So we're gonna get one vote. John Palumbo's gonna pick for us, and we'll go from there. Uh, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna need two separate story posts: one for colored, one for yeah. picture. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, we should chuck record store day as a hot take question at some point. Yeah, if it's wrong, yeah, I'd be, I'd be interested to hear what the viewers think of record store day as well. Yes, Matt did. A, uh, Matt did mention it in one of his blogs, but uh, you did. Yeah. did. If you haven't checked out the blog. Worth the read. Greatexpectationspod.com. That's where Matt basically uh, writes about the 400 records he's bought in between each episode. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. You, I can't, I can't describe his house. Like, I took pictures. I took a video to show you, but it doesn't. This picture like, a record store with furniture in it. Yeah, and then Matt's, and no drywall because he works too much to finish his basement. That's Matt's true. What he kept Matt's saying. gimmick is he writes an article and every he writes one word for every vinyl he bought that month. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I think that's that's close to a wrap uh, on oh. on the gift of music. But um, I think so. There's been a few. There's been a few milestones since we last chatted as well. Um, and Matt, I want to get your thoughts on one of them. Big one, obviously. We had 50 years of Zeppelin Four, or Zeppelin yeah. Untitled, or Zoso, or the Four Symbols, or whatever you want to call it. Um, that was one of those anniversaries that was just kind of universally appreciated by music fans, which was really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Such a significant album. But Matt, we we also came across. Um, or didn't come across, but it's a 30-year anniversary of a, another massive album connected to a producer we spoke about earlier in this episode. And I think you got a copy of it this week? Yes. Yeah, Nevermind by Nirvana. Oh, man, big record. Massive yeah, album. 30 years. Yeah. Hey? It's, it's crazy that it's 30. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. And then to jump into that, uh, it's been 19 years uh, since Audio Slaves... Uh, self-titled album which mm. that's another one albums, it's hard to believe it's that old but it, and it's also hard to believe that those two albums are like how close together they were 
yeah. compared to nowadays, right? Like, but also, I picture Audio Slave years after. Oh yeah, yeah, right. But it's not that it's not that distant. It's the so the, what Audio yeah. Slave was what like two thousand two two thousand one two one one two yeah. If I can do my how, math, how, but like, but also, how much did music change from ninety one to two thousand and one? Oh, quite a right? bit. Yeah, it's Especially crazy. Especially in the rock world. Yeah, and then even now, how things have changed yeah. in the in the rock world. Even well, even since the, that last Foo Fighters album, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about how like Dead Mouse covered a Foo Fighters song in like twenty eleven, mm-hmm. right? Which is so interesting because now, ten years like, ago. Yeah, so it's in, ten years ago, right? Think about think about the changes in in rock in thirty years since Nevermind, which was you know grunge, mm-hmm. and then like we've had new new waves since then, with yep. guys like the Killers being massive. Then we've had indie mm-hmm. and folk, you know that that mm-hmm. period of indie and folk with like your Arcade Fire and your Fleet Foxes and um, the National and. Mumford and Sons, yeah, and then I don't know what are we even in now. What 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 phase are we in now? It's hard to define the uh, rock yeah. world right now to me. But even go back because you're talking about Zeppelin Four, like it changed so much between that and Nevermind, and those those albums are only ten years apart, right? Oh yeah, right. So that's no, that's yeah, Zeppelin that's Four and twenty. There's yeah, twenty years gap. 20 year gap? 50 okay. year anniversary 30 year anniversary. Sorry, I thought it was 40. My bad. So, but even still, those those huge, huge changes. Actually, it's it's kind of relative in that sense as well, mm-hmm. where we saw that kind of transition into the 80s. We're kind of doing, well, everything's in cycles, right? Mm-hmm. So, it's, yeah. Well, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that we do the, uh, the end of the year bonus app where we talk about the albums that we dug and then also the, our favorite album that was released this, uh, this year, because yeah, there's a big time eighties revival in rock and roll right now. Yeah. Yep. And I'm Huge. really excited to talk about an album that came out this year. Cool. Um, that, that touches on those sounds, but just brings them into the new age, which is great. Yeah. I have a feeling I know what you're talking about, but I'll wait to see. I'm excited. My album, uh, yeah, I got some doozies, which I never thought I'd pick, and I love it. Yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got four albums, and I'm like, man, I, I don't know which one to pick, but I'm pretty confident on which one I'm gonna go with. Nice, awesome. Well, this has been fantastic, gents. Thank you for the gift of your time. Thank you for the gift <laughs> of your musical choices. Um, yeah, that's I. I would call that a wrap. That's ep five. Five. Episode five of the Crate Expectations pod. Thanks again for joining us. As we said, this has been the Crate Expectations. We are the groovy guys. If you want to get in touch with us, drop us a line on Instagram at Crate Expectations pod. Send us some fan mail like John Palumbo, Crate Expectations pod at gmail.com. We're online Thanks, at CrateExpectations.com. And until next time, make sure whatever you're listening on, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you can get a notification when the next episode is out. We've got a few more episodes coming up this year. Then we're going to take a bit of a break, refresh, heading into 2022. Until next time, keep digging and spinning. The Groovy Guys are Tom Kennedy, Dan Lozier, Chris Palumbo, and Matt Carvalho. With your host, Tom Kennedy, 
Music by Dan Lozier, post-production by Matt, and album art by Chris. Mm-hmm.